Welcome to the Words in Mind pandemic podcast, keeping you company while we are all stuck indoors. Hi listeners and welcome to the Words in Mind pandemic podcast. I'm here with Claire Walters from Absolute Specialist Wellbeing and I'm going to hand over to her to share a little bit about the work that she does. Hi. Um, yes, we've just gone online, as everyone else has, I think, through this uh, pandemic. We offer an emotional well-being toolkit, um, and uh, there's about six or eight of us now able to offer online sessions from anybody struggling with their emotional well-being as a result of what they're going through. Great. Um, so I first kind of met you, Claire, through the third sector leaders meeting that we were both at. Um, that kind of links into both words in mind my project and, and obviously the one that you're working on at the moment and one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is because I know that um, there's quite a burden on carers both unpaid and professional carers and I really respect that the work that you're doing makes um, sort of coaching and counseling and wellness tools available to those people so I'm really thrilled to have you on um, and I thought perhaps today we could just have a little chat about the work that you do and perhaps a little bit about the toolbox that you mentioned and um, what carers can expect if they get in contact really and why why they might want to do that um, so can I kind of start by asking you a little bit about what absolute specialists well-being do and the work okay. that you do we offer people and we are focusing on carers and care workers at the moment three online sessions and in the first one it's mainly about just listening and connecting because we realize one of the biggest challenges has maybe been the isolation and lack of support through this time and then having really connected we can offer a, a toolkit a particular tool that will help them shift from that position that they're probably a bit stuck in which is one of overwhelm isolation exhaustion grief whatever stage state they're in to a more mindful objective perspective and from that they can actually give themselves advice because within them they also they have that resource but it's helping them to access it at times of greatest need and then they can take that toolkit away with them and use it like in the middle of the night or when times are particularly grim and it will allow, allow them to self-support that's the plan <laughs> that, yeah that's brilliant um, and I, I was interested when I was kind of looking on your website that your um, kind of one of your specialisms is focused mindfulness if I sort right. of said that properly I was really interested in that because mindfulness has been a big part of my mental health recovery journey um, but I've not heard about focused mindfulness before. And I wondered if you wanted to kind of say anything about that. Absolutely. Thank you. So it's kind of evolved out of my own healing journey. Um, I went through a total crisis in 2007. And although I thought I was mindful and I thought, you know, I could cope, I found myself in that pit of despair and um, began my own healing journey. And the toolkit I collected over my own healing, I've kind of taken and brought together 
um, into what's now become formally the focus mindfulness method. So it's drawn on the journey by Brandon Bayes. I became a journey practitioner. It's draws on Byron Katie and her work. It's drawn on transactional analysis, CBT, um, trying to think of the other influences, um, Eckhart Tolle, into um, an accessible toolkit that can be taught quickly and easily in an hour-long session. So I did my own healing journey and then realized there was a need that people locally wanted to learn what I was now teaching. And so it evolved from there into a practice that I now teach. Um, and there's now, oh, I don't know, maybe 20 practitioners in the Yorkshire area who are delivering focused mindfulness. And we're a community and um, it's growing and spreading because it works. <laughs> so I'm not surprised you haven't heard of it, but I hope very soon it becomes um, more of a household um, name, really. Yeah, and it's one of the reasons I wanted to ask you on because um, we kind of deliver groups in settings like um, the Adult Mental Health Unit in Dewsbury and Halifax and sometimes in um, places like um, Clear and other mental health organisations, but even in care homes or in a public library, um, people people know about mindfulness and there's a real appetite for learning how to do it in a way that's quite practical. And I think what you said about being able to learn something in an hour that you can take and apply, um, I think that's really important. So I, I think it's, it's going to be really useful for people. Thank you. Yes, Seven, I'm very conscious that we're told to be still, we're told to be more mindful, we're told or we should be ourselves, we should be um, an expression of our true self. And the focus mindfulness gives you the how. It actually gives you ways of actually becoming still and cutting through all the mind chatter to live with more integrity. Um, so it, it is the how. Uh, and it supports a mindfulness practice. We definitely encourage um, meditation, but sometimes it's very difficult for people to sit still. Yes. And especially if they have trauma in their lives, because being still can be terrifying because everything comes up. So we help people deal with that. So it's no longer impacting on them. Um, so they're naturally still more mindful, more peaceful and kinder to themselves. So, yeah. That's the aim of um, the, what you can achieve through this work. Yeah. And we've just had um, Mental Health Awareness Week and the theme's been kindness. So I've seen a lot of discussion about what does kindness to yourself really look like and what do we mean by that? Um, I grew up in a Buddhist household, so sitting in meditation was actually something that was kind of my normal, <laughs> the way that people go to Sunday school, for example. Um, but I definitely found when I was having the struggles of my own, being able to sit, it, it was quite overwhelming because I did have trauma to deal with and finding ways to apply mindfulness that didn't kind of overwhelm me with that level of panic. When I found those ways, that really did change things. So I can see in this really difficult period people are going through where they're stuck indoors, you're physically stuck in one place and perhaps emotionally there's there's no definite end in sight is there so there's mm. that feeling of being trapped i think is quite quite a common one that comes up yeah it can be very triggering i think when you're just left alone with your thoughts and none of your usual distractions yeah absolutely yeah mm. so how has life changed for you and your colleagues 
in this kind of lockdown period have you had to change the way that you work a little bit totally I would have said 18 months ago I couldn't work online with what I do and um, actually met somebody who actually challenged me on that and encouraged me to do an online course so I kind of started this process but working one-to-one and even running workshops is something we've taken totally online um, so we had a pretty busy time the last couple of months but we're now all working from home we're all conversant with zoom and um, finding although it is does add a dimension when you can actually sit in the same space as people there's something energetic that happens then but we can achieve a lot online and we hadn't realized really how the potential of doing that yeah yeah we're having a similar experience with our groups a lot of what happens in the room is it's non-verbal it's about giving somebody the quality of your presence and about responding to the little cues um, and then that, I think that is harder to do online because I think you're right. There's something about being physically with somebody. Sometimes that there's an intimacy there that there's perhaps not on Zoom or it's harder to That's build right. that perhaps. Yeah. But, I mean, um, yeah, sorry, a lot on. of our training is about learning to sit and hold people, not physically, but with your presence. I hear you. I'm here with you. I'm not judging. I'm not criticizing i'm not rescuing i'm just being here with you is a very powerful thing and that is difficult to achieve with new clients we find once we've got that bond we can do it online but to start with we're taking things a lot slower online when there's that depth of connection needed yeah that yeah. that definitely makes sense because i think mm. yeah having that that presence to communicate that over zoom i think there has to be a little bit more sort of trust there Um, and we find that in our reading groups sometimes people just need to cry and it's not about what you can say to them or do for them it's just about sitting with them and letting that happen and like that that being an okay thing and almost like witnessing it I suppose just it's okay and I'm in it with you and that's all right um I think sometimes that's more important than whatever poems we bring or (laughs) whatever we're reading it's giving people that space I suppose it's rare it's rare in everyday life to have people truly listen to you it's a real gift yeah yeah absolutely so and that I suppose is kind of why I wanted to bring you on because I think there is a real thirst for that um And I imagine for people who are caring for other people, it might be that quality of listening that really is missing. Um, And perhaps it's not, not always there in traditional services. Um, That's right. Yeah. Funnily enough, we had this very discussion this week in, you know, uh, you know, what, what, what could we not deal with um, online? And the, the, the fact is wherever you're at, it's okay. You know, it's, it's okay to speak out if you are having really negative even suicidal thoughts whatever it's safe to share and we can just hear that we're not needing to fix it we can hear I hear where you're at you're just connecting is and it's safe to speak at that level I think yeah yeah absolutely so you mentioned um sort of when you were talking about focus mindfulness there are a few names that popped up that i recognize and names that people in our groups would recognize and have read books from so eckhart toll is one that 
people talk about um I forget one of his famous ones is it the power of now power of now yes power of now and yeah. I've kind of I think I've read a little bit from Katie Byron um but I can't recall exactly I think I, I started and then I was like whoa this is big work <laughs> maybe not the time for this right now um but yeah those those books I've heard people mention as being quite important for them yeah. mm-hmm. were they quite um sort of pivotal in in kind of discovering your method and your recovery I think more than a power of now which I did read way back um is a new earth which is Eckhart Tolle's book that he wrote a lot later when he was a lot further down his own journey I find that book is one of my one of my books you know I've got a few key books and it would be that (laughs) um so a new earth and the other one I actually had a quick shout out to my gang because I noticed one of the questions you're going to be asking was what what books would you recommend (laughs) and I said quick guys what would you say and the other one is is um the fifth the five agreements by Ruiz I don't know if you've come across that I have Um, yeah that is pivotal I think um so that was one that that people all said the fifth agreement by Ruiz R-U-I-Z and his son Ruiz so it's Ruiz and Ruiz actually um, and if we could go on the other ones, the other one was The Gentle Art of Blessing. I don't know if you've come across this one by Pierre Pradevand. I haven't, Amazing but just the book. title sounds lovely. Like, it's, yeah. What a lovely set of words to put together in one title. Yeah, Gentle it's very profound book. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. And then finally, my team reminded me, oh, what about your book, Claire? Because I honestly had not (laughs) thought of giving that a shout out. But I have written a book about the Focus Mindfulness Approach, and it's called From Pain to Peace. And it really explains uh, where we're coming from with this work and helps people to think, yes, this is for me, really. So, Oh, lovely. Get that up on our our Facebook. That sounds good. What was it like writing a book? Oh, pulling teeth. <laughs> it's funny <laughs> because I come from a, an intellectual background and this work has all been about stop thinking, uh, just be, and then finally have to get back into my head and pour out what I mean in language is like re-engaging brain. Yeah. So I do, I've found it, um, it's hard work but also incredibly um incredibly rewarding actually to actually um birth yeah book yeah (laughs) it was a like labor a very long one (laughs) yeah i had someone make coin the phrase art babies and i always think if someone's making something it really is such a kind of grueling process for a lot of people so yeah i realize i can write for an hour or two a day and that's it really and go off and do something else then because it's uh yeah it's part of the, the return you get on the time spent just diminishes after that that's my my experience yeah mm. and I think that's probably quite a common one I know quite a few sort of people who write that say I have a good hour or two and then that's it like if it's if it's going to be a good writing day it'll be that first chunk of time anything over that and it's just torture <laughs> oh fab because I was going to ask you about some books to recommend because the self-help genre is um it's really popular and yet I think sometimes there's a bit of a stigma 
people kind of assume that sort of books around healing and about sort of your well-being are automatically going to be a little bit fluffy or lightweight but my experience has really been the opposite and although our groups focus a lot on the creative bibliotherapy so that could be comics or it could be highbrow literature um i do bring self-help books because people want them and they they change people's lives yeah and i think it's keeping on as well because it's kind Mm. of bringing you back because i think however long you've been doing this work there's a tendency to drop back into old habits and so having something on the go just a little daily reminder (laughs) drop back into your mindful self is really helpful yeah yeah i've had the four agreements posted up by my desk sometimes i move them to the fridge but yeah they're fantastic because right, okay, yeah and they're quite challenging every time i look at them i think oh i don't know about that one <laughs> there's something quite um fresh about them every time i see them the four agreements i'm actually in a study group where we discuss them and it, it is a lifetime practice there's, there's ever more depth you can go into with the questions really yeah yeah i think the recovery college network in um Kirklees has just started running courses on the four agreements and sort of exploring what they might mean with people um which i think is really really brave because when i read them i was like wow <laughs> there's a lot to unpack there but i think they're really helpful for people so yeah do you kind of feel that reading or creative writing can be part of a a healing process you mentioned the toolbox do you find that you know the people that come and see you benefit from reading or creative writing um absolutely as i've mentioned reading already uh, but we do encourage everybody um to write we actually call it the morning mind dump so you get out of bed and you just literally discharge we say all your thoughts onto the page and not normally say is when you've done that when you've dumped everything out of your head onto the page screw it up and bin it but a couple of people say no what comes out is really really good it's 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 gold i i keep it because it's uh i write some really good stuff there's something about first thing in the morning is before your your intellectual mind's got fully in gear and you can just sometimes be a lot more fluent Mm. and bring stuff up from a much deeper level a deeper worries a deeper concerns um so it's it's i think people find it very very therapeutic yeah and what they do with it after sometimes it may be that has to be destroyed because it's good to be able to say whatever you want about whoever you want um (laughs) not leave the evidence around you know but i i think it's yeah it is a way of engaging your brain in a different way that accesses and releases quite a lot of baggage yeah and i think about almost like a notebook as a bit of a companion especially if you're looking after other people if you've got somewhere you can just vent when you've got a quiet moment i th- i think that can be a real friend when there perhaps isn't anyone physically there yeah absolutely yeah and it's yeah. funny you mentioned about destroying it i was speaking to somebody a few weeks ago and she worked um she did group work in a women's shelter and they would do this kind of um, brain dumping the writing and then it would all go in a bag and um, I think actually they'd shred it 
in at the end of the group they'd all put it through the shredder and then all the shredded bits would go in a bag and the group facilitator would take the bag home and then it would get burned in her garden bin all the shreddedness and she said and in the end I videoed it getting burned and then when I went back to the group we watched it together because there was something about seeing it completely be destroyed that was so freeing and I thought like what a great idea (laughs) cathartic isn't it yeah you're literally yeah purging yourself really yeah Yeah. fantastic Mm. um I'm just trying to think what we've got I don't know if I asked you in detail actually about that toolbox we've talked a little bit about um focused mindfulness was there anything else you wanted to say about the toolbox and how that works for people the thing about the toolbox is it's very individualized so as a practitioner as we're listening to people one of the tools will come into mind and then we'll share it with and even go through the exercise with the client and then teach it to them and even send them the script so they can do it for themselves. Um, I could go through them all individually, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know. I could do if you like. It might be a bit. Um, no, I think just that I think what what can be useful is what you've already acknowledged, which is that people need different things. And I think kind of one of my motivations for sort of this particular podcast is encouraging people to reach out for help because I've I've had behavioral therapy myself and part of the part of the power of that was sort of spending time with a therapist who could listen to where I was at and then recommend things that were relevant you know it wasn't like a template being put on me it was you know having having shared my vulnerability with that therapist that therapist would say well this kind of sounds like this might be yeah. where you're at so I think I think it's I think interesting you can to know it's sometimes get, yeah you can sometimes get resistance come up if people yes. read that and think whoa either it's too scary or yes. not for me you know it's too woo woo yeah when you actually do it with people you can actually because they trust you yeah. you can you can help them to actually engage with it yeah. yeah I think I think that's good yeah so long as I've kind of covered what you wanted to say about it then I'm happy with that do you have like a favorite comfort read a book that you might turn to in a really rough time um I have many but I was small <laughs> because um I've got I've got a complete thing about swallows Oh. And my favourite book ever is called um, A Single Swallow by Horatio Clare. I've not heard of it. I'll look and it he actually travelled down to South Africa and tracked up the swallows as they migrated north through Africa, across Europe to his own barn, not literally the same bird, yeah. to his own barn in Wales. And I absolutely adore that book. Um, yeah, so that, that's one of my comfort reads, which is pertinent at the moment because I do have swallows nesting in my consulting room. Oh, wow. So it's quite good we're <laughs> locked down at the moment. <laughs> oh, they can get on with their nesting in peace. Then, yes, undisturbed. Yep. <laughs> oh, wonderful. Yeah. And I think there is something about nature that is quite comforting. There is especially that idea of animals that make a journey and the, the kind of... I don't know what the word is really the rhythm of that and the kind of constancy of that I think can be really comforting yeah absolutely yeah 
Yeah, we sometimes read um, Mary Oliver's Wild Geese poem. Oh, that's so beautiful. It's lovely, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I didn't realise about wild geese that if one of them was grounded because they were unwell, apparently a couple of the other geese ground with them until the goose is well enough to to fly again i didn't realize this there's kind of a bit of a companion thing i heard that goes on so a couple of people ground and they'll come back up so i thought like what a great metaphor for reaching out for help really i think that's probably that is beautiful yeah probably quite Mm. apt that someone would stay and look after you and then you all go back together so yeah i'm gonna ask you the difficult question if you were a fictional character who would you be so i this took me when you (laughs) sent me that question ahead it was the one that threw me into complete flummox because most of my reading these days is about is people's stories i've realized it was quite interesting um people's stories and insights and that sort of and i love sort of um travel stuff but it's usually fairly autobiographical so i realized one of my long-term friends is uh secret garden so i think mary lennox would probably be somebody i relate to quite well yeah because i did have quite a lonely childhood and that magic of going through the door into a secret garden is something that stayed with me oh fantastic yeah she's a good character and it is a beautiful story um a friend only this morning mentioned it and i thought oh yeah i'd love to go back and reread that so Mm. yeah that's a good choice. It's <laughs> <laughs> good. You. Yeah. Um, it's a really difficult question. And I always kind of throw a whole bunch of questions in and see which ones people want to want to go with. And um, sometimes people skip that one. So you've been brave. <laughs> um, what else have I got on my list? So I wondered for anyone listening who thinks that they might benefit from getting in touch and and having a look at kind of what you've got to offer what what would you want to say to to those people I think it's the obvious is pick up the phone or send that email or send that text Um, I don't care how you get in touch because that's probably the most difficult move Um, we're all um, really willing to just listen to what you need so the first contact will be be about that what do you need so there'll be no pressure no assumptions made and um, if you do connect with who you're talking to then you can begin work with them um, so it's a gentle gentle introduction and um, I just say please um, I think you can sometimes feel and even be quite invisible as a carer yeah. so just um, knowing that we're, we're here with open hearts wanting to support you yeah that's great and I really hope that people do because I think having that support can not only get you through a difficult time but it can kind of get you back on sort of the path that your life is is headed on really I think it can really change people's lives that way so Mm, absolutely yeah yeah. Mm. I I would recommend it I've found counseling and therapy to to really really be helpful although I think before I got in touch with people I was very nervous and very much like I don't want to tell a complete stranger (laughs) all the secret things I think are wrong with me no way (laughs) and I think the difference with our approach is you actually don't need to tell us what's going on yeah 
we teach the exercise and you don't even need to speak about where you're going um so it's 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 you only need to say as much as you feel like saying the exercises work anyway yeah. so it's not like counseling where you talk at length and maybe yeah. left and say without that toolkit as to what do i do with that now we give you the toolkit which are applicable to pretty well everybody you know whatever you know um so their circumstance so in a way that allows you to keep your privacy if you want to yeah and it's so good to have tools you can pick up and use now you know rather than having to lift the lid on the box of stuff and it all comes out <laughs> it's all a bit pandora's <laughs> box isn't it and then you have to put it in again yeah, yeah. i think that's that's really mm. that's really important and I'm, I'm so glad that you're making that available to people um because i think there is there is a gap in um sort of the provision of support for people really when they're struggling particularly if they're carers i know that our nhs is doing its absolute best but um i really hope you get that uptake because i'm sure there are people out there yeah thank you and it's not like yeah it's not like it's a therapy you don't have to yeah there doesn't have to be anything wrong with you yeah it's just a difficult situation and um yeah anybody in that situation would struggle so it's just yeah yeah absolutely um and i think that's something that universally we've all got in common is that this is a difficult experience and it, there's nothing wrong or ab unusual or abnormal about struggling with it like it, it is painful and it is scary so yeah as you say the open-endedness and the unknowns and the sort of cloud of fear that's mm. around everything yeah yeah um, so I know the conversation has been largely around carers with the sort of idea in mind that that's people at home caring for family members. But we're equally concerned about care workers working um, in care homes and in the community right now because I think they're all on still on complete um, survival mode. It's like that cope mode at the moment. And I do think it'll be afterwards when people actually get a chance to draw breath that they have to start processing what they've been through and I know it's already expected the impact is going to be great not only on their own health but their ability to keep working the life choices they might want to make and the impact on their families so all those things I think if we could just help people um, process stuff and come to um, grounded um decisions on what they need for themselves in terms of recovery um we're, we're really keen to be there for those people so i just thought i'd just shout out that you know they, they're also really welcome to uh, contact us So um, is there anything else kind of coming up for um, Absolute Specialist Wellbeing? Are there any projects that you wanted to promote or anything for the future? Well, I could just add that we have some funding now to deliver this uh, service, uh, which will enable my practitioners to um, get some recompense for, for the time they're giving. Mm. But we're also thinking if this does expand, and the need is recognised, we are going to need more practitioners. 
So I've actually just written a blog about um, the course. I'm running an intensive course in the autumn. So it'd be really great if anyone who feels called that this is something they'd like to explore could have a look and um, have a chat with me about actually training. It's, uh, it is utterly life-changing because it's, it's you working on yourself. So I say to bring yourself because um, <laughs> that's the only way it's experiential course. Yeah. So um, and would love some more recruits to come and join our, our very supportive, friendly and trusting team. Fantastic. And I think that's, that's so important when you're kind of offering tools to people as being part of a community of practitioners. I think that strengthens your practice. Um, yeah. So it's really good to hear that you've got that, that coming up. And again, I hope if anyone's listening and is, feels drawn that they, they do get in touch. Um, so you have a website, don't you? I'll put the website details in the links. So okay, well, there's, there's two touch. websites. There's the social enterprise. What yeah. came first was the training company, which is absolute okay. spe specialist. So that's where to go to see about training. Fab. And also, um, yeah, to see, see the existing practitioners if you wanted to pick a practitioner to work with. Yeah. But we have this sister organization called Absolute Specialist Wellbeing, which is a social enterprise. And obviously, it's through the social enterprise that we're delivering this support work. Right. So that that if we could possibly put them both up, that would be brilliant. I'll put both, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is there anything um, that I haven't asked you that you wish that I had or anything else that you wanted to share? I can't think of anything right now. I think you've done brilliantly. Thank you. Oh, thank you for guesting. Yeah. It's been so good to have you on and good to get the word out. Um, and I'll put the details on our Facebook page and also in the show notes so people can thank get in you. touch. And, uh, yeah. And um, stay in touch because I'd love to find out how things go and how I would love to be continues. in touch. I'm really interested in the work you do for all sorts of reasons. Uh, sort of like maybe we could have a more informal coffee. That would be lovely. Together and just chat <laughs> about exactly what you do and um, personally as well as professionally to make that connection be really good. Yeah, I definitely think the, the post-quarantine coffees are what I'm looking forward to. <laughs> Stacking them up. <laughs> have yes. a big list of them. <laughs> oh, oh, even online. I mean, I've plenty yeah. of Zoom coffees as well, actually. So, yeah, yeah, it can work just as well. Well, it's been lovely to chat to you. Thanks very much for guesting on That's the podcast. been a real pleasure. Thank you for reaching out. Cheers. Thank you. A little bit of context on carers and the number of carers currently in the West Yorkshire area. There are an estimated 260,000 people doing unpaid care that live in West Yorkshire and Harrogate. And these include children and young people who are caring for parents with long-term health conditions. There are 42,710 people in Kirklees who are caring for children or a family member due to illness, disability, a mental health problem or an addiction. Our county would not be able to cope without the support of those carers. Around 1,360 of those carers in Kirklees spend more than 50 hours a week providing unpaid care whilst also working a full-time job. So 
the burden that carers are carrying for us as a society is massive and all the more so given the fact that the COVID crisis puts a lot of stress on them. I wanted to include in this episode as well people who are working in social care, people who are doing care roles on a paid basis. There are 153,000 jobs in adult social care in Yorkshire and the Humber. The turnover for people going into those jobs and then leaving them within a year is about 32%. And there are 7,600 adult social care vacancies at any one time in the Yorkshire and Humber. So there's a huge amount of people not only caring on an unpaid basis, but also people who are working at the moment, going into people's homes, going into residential homes, staffing care homes, who are looking after vulnerable people for whom the COVID crisis has a huge impact on them. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to cover the issue of carers in a podcast episode. Thank you for tuning in for Words in Mind Kirkley's pandemic podcast update. If you would like to get in touch with us, you can check out our Facebook page and we are at Kirkley's Words in Mind Bibliotherapy. Thanks a lot.